Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AW Rampage, but also AW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Duper, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Rampage. And another, another fun one hour on a Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Flies by this now. Flies by... It's a nice 7.5 out of 10, yeah. which is situated between an awesome show that I was really hyped for and the dreaded, oh, it's solid. <laughs> I got quite a lot out of it. I actively enjoyed watching it. It's possibly not essential. It's still potentially having too much influence over the, the big picture quality of AEW's week in general. But for an hour on a Saturday morning, when you wake up early, a really nice time watching this. And in better news for you, uh, no Rampage Rap returning because no titles changed hands. Yes. <laughs> so good. Double whammy. Double whammy. <laughs> well, it's not at the beginning of this show. The show started with uh, Anthony Bowens versus John Moxley. Uh, another brilliant rap from Max Caster. Uh, a little bit in my mouth here, obviously, with some of the things that Moxley's gone through. You're like, are they going to, is he going to go there? I kind of hoped he didn't, to be perfectly honest. It's one of those things that. I don't feel comfortable joking about yet. And uh, yet, he avoided all that and still popped us uh, talking about his wife and him not calling her, uh, sorry, and her not calling him back. Um, his book puts you to sleep and the network censors aren't best pleased with uh, what Moxley's got to say. And also, when they get in the ring, I, I'm not sure, I think was, this might have been partially off mic, but basically one of them warning the other one in the acclaimed, look, careful, he's pretty bonkers him. Don't go too close to him. Uh, and yeah, unsurprisingly, this uh, rap, as if he needed any more encouragement, riled up Moxley. He attacks Max Caster right away. And uh, Bowens doesn't even realise he's still doing the pose on the turnbuckle as Max Caster's getting hoyed out of the ring and Moxley's turning around to batter Anthony Bowens. But I thought they worked really well together. Uh, sort of played out akin to how we hoped it would on the uh, on the Rampage preview in terms of the fact that Moxley 
Still isn't quite all there just yet. He's still got a little bit of ring rust. Um, and Bowen's completely talking to his limit. And Anthony Bowen's newsflash, it's great. He's really good. Uh, and he's got so much potential for going forward, uh, in my opinion. Uh, early on, yes, they brawl out to the floor and they brawl through the crowd for far longer than a 10 count. But we'll allow it because it's Moxley at the end of the day. Um, and uh, Bowens actually fights back whilst they're out fighting on the floor. He sends Moxley into the ring post, hurts his arm, targets that as they get back into the ring. Um, but uh, Moxley fights back. It's a standing vertical suplex and some kicks to the chest. Uh, Caster, though, trips Moxley up, and that allows Bowens to hit a rolling forearm and a ripcord neckbreaker for a nearfall to take us into the break. When we come back, uh, Bowens suplexes Moxley from the top rope for a nearfall, uh, and then Moxley fights back by backdropping Bowens onto Max Caster and then uh, diving onto Caster with a tope suicida through the ropes. As Moxley's coming back in, though, Bowens catches him with that nice sort of twisting, hanging DDT sort of thing. Uh, which looks great, that. Um, I hope he gets a win from that soon to really put it over. Um, but Moxley comes back with a jumping pile driver. Bowens nearly wins it, though, with a brilliant, uh, what's it called? A claim to fame, I think is the name of his finisher. Uh, gets a near fall off that. Goes after the boom box. Uh, that gets uh, Aubrey Edwards' attention. But as she's getting rid of that, Max Caster hoys him the chain, but Moxley takes out Bowens with a cutter. Uh, clotheslines Caster out of the ring. Hits a huge lariat on Anthony Bowens and then finishes him off with the paradigm shift. One, two, three. And on top of all that, Sige, post-match, we see Brian Danielson watching TV normally and with a little wry smile on his mouth. John Moxley has described his return as he is slowly learning how to drive a totally refurbished vehicle. Mm. And not only is that like another great promo line when he's not even cutting a promo, it was just an interview, <laughs> but it's kind of a terrifying prospect for how good he's going to get because if he's still feeling like himself, he's not in the zone, I'm none the wiser personally. Um, he looks absolutely great. This match was really good. And what I liked most about it is that they engineered drama through the work when, in your rational mind, ahead of time, you didn't really think there was any doubt no. over the outcome. But this is the formula for television pro wrestling. Television pro wrestling is a, a, a platform in which you kind of know the outcomes nine times out of ten. The idea is to book the characters favorably so that you want the heel to lose and the, and the, the baby face to win. And they can structure matches in such a way that they intensify the feeling of who you want to win and maybe even plunge a little bit of doubt. This is something we talk about quite frequently. In one particular sequence, I was just biting on the drama of two equals having a match, which mm. wasn't the case. It was just one person really relished the challenge, if you like. Um, there was a bit where they were working a spot and it was kind of like a, a dance of deception where Bones was coming off one rope and then he sort of took a different route um, where he didn't do the full rope run. Mm. And um, he was countering. He was running into a different rope than the usual expected pattern. He was just basically trying to outwit Moxley. And Moxley responded to being temporarily outwitted by taking the dude's goddamn head off. <laughs> that lariat. That lariat's low-key one of my favorite moves in wrestling. He just, like, jumps, cracks someone in the side of the neck, <laughs> and then is 
has so much momentum and power behind it that he kind of falls almost clumsily to the canvas mm. after hitting it, but it just looks like he's put everything behind it. It's it's deliberately not clean, and I love that. I absolutely love it. Great move. Set up the finish perfectly. You have that wincing quality of, Jesus Christ, something really physical has just happened, and yet he's hit him in the safest of spaces. It wasn't in the neck. It was mm. right um, across the upper chest area. John Moxley rules, and he's not even begin. He's not even begun, rather, to really, really rule yet. Um, as for the post match, how have they done this? They've done two very WWE bits to sort of draw your interest into the match without even shooting an angle or giving you a story yet. The NXT ramp it was like, all right, okay, that was just a cue more than an angle. That this is what you're going to get, and it's. The true genius is you can do the most simple things imaginable. In fact, you can do the most rotten tropes imaginable. Mm. And if you're a good enough performer, and Brian Danielson's a goddamn genius, you can get them over that kind of sinister smile of like, I'm watch. I mean, literally watching you. You should watch yourself as a result. Just the, the symmetry between their faces, each looking at you. Ah, God, it was fantastic. Yeah, really excited to see where they go next with this. Speaking of which, um, we uh, go backstage with Andrade El Idolo and Jose, his assistant, uh, who are who's found Sting's locker room. Andrade furious that Jose would even knock before just barging straight in. They go in. There's That's no nice Sting. Touch that. Yeah, there's no Sting, but there is Darby Allen in there. Uh, to which Andrade says. Here's the kid. <laughs> Finally, nice to meet you. Uh, and he tries to, well, he offers through Jose uh, Darby Allen a contract so he can buy him and own him, I suppose. Uh, and Darby Allen reveals that, yeah, well, obviously Sting doesn't own him. And even if he did, this is not about money. He talks about his history, sleeping in cars, etc. We all know about this. Um, and then when Andrade and Jose kind of don't get the hint to just piss off, he pulls out a baseball bat and Andrade and Jose leave with Andrade still vowing, I want to speak to Sting to potentially buy you. I mean, I liked the character dynamic between Andrade and Jose. Just, just open the goddamn door. Like, nice little, I don't know, I just quite, I just yeah. amused me. Darby Allen isn't particularly great as a promo guy. No. He himself recognizes this and has decided to create via those short films, a new vehicle with which to tell his stories and to get things across. I know people think they're pretentious. I personally quite like them, but they're resourceful, yeah. if nothing else. I was halfway impressed by his acting in this segment because sometimes when he talks, it's a little bit lame and a little bit forced and a little bit earnest as well. I just thought he was quite good value in this mm. segment. Um, didn't do a great deal. Like, it wasn't a huge angle. It was just a stepping stone in this story, whatever the, it is they're telling, but it was fine. He's got relief. He's just gone, I want to own the HFO, and then I want to buy the small child that Sting has coming around with him, I don't know, cleaning chimneys or whatever it is that they've got going on. It's surreal, but I'm kind of into this. Uh, speaking of which, we got uh, FTR in a Arn Anderson off, basically, with Brock Anderson, or should I call him... Broccoli Anderson, because he's quite green. No, Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. Uh, early on, nice bit of mat work from Brock and, and both members of FTR, as you kind of would expect. In comes Lee Johnson, uh, hits uh, Cashew with the Piscada, uh, then gets backdropped 
by Anderson onto Dax Harwood, uh, and he gets a near fall off a high crossbody as we t- go into the break. When we come back, uh, Johnson's fighting back, hits a hangman's neck breaker on Dax Harwood, gets the tag to Brock Anderson, who comes in clotheslining both members of FTR. He hits a doctor bomb on Wheeler, goes for the DDT, but uh, Dax Harwood comes in and helps counter it. Uh, he gets catapulted by Brock Anderson into a Gamanguri from Johnson. DDT on Wheeler. Uh, and then Johnson hit a great frog splash for a near fall with, uh, I think it was Dax, just getting his foot on the bottom rope. Uh, on the floor, Brock Anderson kind of gets into it with Tolly Blanchard, who backs off right into Arn Anderson, turns around, he clocks him with a left hand. In the midst of all this, though, Johnson's been isolated in FTR's corner, and they hit him with a brutal-looking spike pile driver for the one, two, three. I generally don't think it's an exaggeration to call this an FTR masterclass. If you look at the guys they were working with, their level of television experience, how they've crafted like a really strong TV match, in which they didn't lose any of their aura, but they gave the baby faces so much. This was genuinely great. Shout, uh, Lee Johnson's always tremendous. I've long campaigned for them to do something more with him. Mm-hmm. But Brock Anderson, I thought, looked pretty goddamn beige last year um, at, at Daly's Place Dynamite. I think it was in that sort of weird period where it's like, we're doing double or nothing at full capacity, and then we're doing like a few more shows at Daly's. <laughs> yeah. That aren't as good. And then we're going back on the road. It's like, oh, I've already seen the alternative now. <laughs> and I think Brock Anderson suffered because he was just there doing a match when it was like we were waiting for the the real quiz mm, to yeah. use our bizarre web of tangled inside jokes. Um, and I just thought mechanically it looked solid enough given his level of experience, but he didn't really do anything to stand out. His facial expressions were on point here. His fire was on point here. He actually looked... You know, like, there's something weird about second-generation and third-generation wrestlers. Some of them just... They inherit so much DNA in terms of the bone structure and the look, and they get none of the talent. And <laughs> yeah. these kind of weird, vacant facsimiles of their of their parents. For a while, I thought, is Brock Anderson just one of these weird guys? <laughs> no, he really showed me something. I thought his work was strong. I thought his facial expressions were strong. And not just that bit, that heavily choreographed, agented bit that I think some people found cringeworthy when it was like, who's the most like on Anderson? I thought it was great. Very easy. Actually, no, it wasn't easy. I thought it was very inspired, actually. No, I really liked I think it. A lot of people just thought it detracted from the idea of a match. It was too much acting, but I thought it was tits. I thought it was really good. Um, but he showed fire. Um, but this is really all about how incredible FTR are. What they are so good at is like feeding for their opponents and getting into position themselves, guiding their before uh, their opponents into position. And what I liked so much about this match is that it was so simplistic of a story. They were the heels, they are the better wrestlers, but they're also the dickheads and they get their comeuppance and they allow their babyface opponents to show off their athletic prowess. Mm-hmm. This is the absolute recipe for Southern style pro wrestling. But FTR are so convoluted <laughs> with their movements and the way that they arrange a match and yet they never lose sight of getting the audience involved, allowing the audience to keep track of the events. It's basically Southern style wrestling with incredibly technical virtuoso solos and yet it still all completely works. It's just a perfect advancement of something that they... The joke is, well, the gag is like we're reviving it. It's like, you know, you're modernizing it. Mm. But like the modernist is like a really 
that they kind of word is it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I just thought they were on exceptional form. They could not have done more to flatter both of these opponents. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it didn't really feel like they lost anything in the process. Super dramatic. And if you look at the level of opponent they had, we see this on TV all of the time. Established star versus rookie or emerging prospect. And it sometimes gets a little bit, not tiresome, but a little bit predictable between yeah. the pay-per-view cycles. This was the goddamn model for how to do this match. This is one of the best. Star is obviously going to beat rookie or prospect or whatever. It's such a great way of doing it. Let's just get to the him, the, them, them, the Briscoes now. I want more. I could watch these guys work anyone at the minute. Mm. I want to see the Briscoes match. I think they've they've built it so well, and it was such a nice little forbidden door deal, and it's kind of like withering a little bit in terms of how much people are hyped for it. So yes, I do want to see it, but God damn it, I'd, wa- I'd watch these lads work anyone. <laughs> cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, right, we got a video package, another video package for uh, Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. They're finally doing this on Rampage this week. It's weird, this. Uh, the war of words and the big the shot two angles. It's fine. It's fine. They're, they're kind of making it seem more... They're telling me more that it's more intense yes. than they are showing me it. Yeah, I've, I don't think I've seen anything of this other than video package because I wasn't watching... Uh, AEW or any wrestling really I mean, over Christmas. That's your goddamn problem. Yeah. But you haven't missed anything. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's a one-off thing and it's one of those ones where I was like, didn't they just do this last week? But they're finally doing it next week so we can just get on with well, this week, I should say, uh, so we can just get on with it. Uh, and we got a great little video package as well showcasing how terrifying Serena Deeb is just smirking on some stairs uh, whilst they recap her 
destroying opponents and ruining Hikaru Shida's life, basically. Yep. Uh, and then we got uh, our f- the first championship match of two championship matches on this show. It's the TBS Championship being defended by Jade Cargill uh, against Julia Hart uh, with one eye. <laughs> Who's going to win this one? Uh, well, Cargill obviously early on dominates, tilt world backbreaker, hits an elbow, gets a near fall, but even though, you know, Julia Hart either kicked out or she went, no, I'm not kind of finished kicking the crap out of her, so I'll just sort of let her kick out of this one. Uh, Jay Cargill was just taunting already, showing off, doing push-ups, doing sit-ups in the ring. Um I mean, it's understandable that she'd do stuff like that. A, considering her record, which is very much talked about during this match, and B, considering that early on when Hart goes for some offense, she went for a clothesline and just bounced off her. <laughs> so that was that was kind of a summation in terms of the uh, the effort put in by Hart and the reward she got for that. Although she did make a comeback. Uh, she counted a powerbomb and hit a Hurricane Rana for a near fall, but then Hargill was right. Was like, all right, let's stop pissing about. Not only did she hit a pump kick on Julia Hart, she, as it was pointed out by Excalibur, hit it on the side where she had the eye patch on. So Julia Hart didn't even see it coming. She gets hit with the jaded, and within like two and a half minutes, Jade Cargill has got the match won. 26 and 0, Sige. Yeah, I like how much they're selling this. Even though, like, you've probably not even seen half of the actual matches, it still resonates as an achievement, which is indicative of how well they've really booked the Jade Cargill character. Um, this match was what it was. I quite liked the arrogant sort of um, bodybuilding displays or just like push it, like gym routines, essentially. Um, I think I liked it more because it contrasted with last week's win over Anna Jay. They're not taking the piss. They're not asking you to believe someone that they don't yet really believe in, mm-hmm. like, a, like a Julia Hart. So they're preserving your investment in the people that you're meant to care about. It's all very well calculated and... I came out of this match indirectly thinking way more of Anna Jay, even more so than last yeah. week when she really impressed me. So they're just measuring who to give shine to, who to put over. Like, it's just a nice indirect reminder of how much they genuinely think about the whole picture and the whole depth of the roster. And this care- we talk quite frequently as, as well about the tier system. Mm. How there are huge top stars at the top. People have to go 50-50 at times. Then you've got the greenest people, the most raw prospects, and they never take the piss out of your investment in the various tiers of this company. No, exactly. I mean, even with Jay Cargill here, like you say, we've always said that for now, Jay Cargill's matches should be kept short for obvious reasons. But even with a match here that only went two and a half minutes, they looked at who she was facing, no offence to Julia Hart, but they looked at who she was facing and said, right, well... Julia Hart's not going to trouble her, so why should this match even go two and a half yeah. minutes? And the reason why it does that is because Jade Cargill's just far too arrogant, and you get an earful, no one actually buys that Julia Hart's going to pin Jade Cargill, at this point at least, like you say. Um, but that's the justification for the match going even as long as it went. And then, yeah, there's just the hyping up of that that unbeaten streak. I mean, it, it's, it is something that is is without a doubt a way to get Jay Cargill even more over of just like, Jesus, who can actually stop her? Like, I know this isn't the world title, but in terms of, and we said this from the moment they introduced this TBS championship, in terms of an alternative title, I'm not going to say a mid-card title because I don't believe in them in, in AEW. Yeah, it is very much now like, how who's going to take this prize yeah. away from her? And it's not even potentially about the belt so much as 
being the person who can take the O away from her because she's just wrecked everyone she's faced. Yeah, absolutely. They've done a phenomenal job of making her seem invincible. Right, uh, before the main event, we had a little back and forth with the tag teams, and I've noticed something here. So we had a back and forth mainly between the representatives of Private Party and Jurassic Express, those being uh, Matt Hardy and uh, Christian Cage. Bit of a back and forth about their history, about who was the better tag team then, and therefore who can manage the best tag team now. Um Cassidy uh, threw some shade at Cleveland, talking about they're going to see something they haven't seen in years, a championship celebration. But I wanted to point out the thing that we've just spotted uh, over the last couple of weeks, you and I, which is... Um, last this is all you. I've not noticed this. Well, last week, Luchasaurus... Um, can't remember the exact... Uh, maybe I'll look this up whilst you're talking about this match, but I can't remember the exact scenario. But Jungle Boy cuts this promo, and at some point... Luchasaurus goes, apples. (laughs) This week, Jungle Boy says, look, when it comes to tag teams, between you and uh, and us, uh, private party, it's apples and oranges. And this week, Luchasaurus goes, oranges. So he's name-checking fruit. It would appear to be the case. So we can have a game next week, or this week, I should say, on our Rampage preview. Which fruit will Luchasaurus Luchasaurus name drop? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Oh, like, games... The way forward. Games the way forward to preview some of these shows, particularly if they're made by that company over there. You know when they can't, like, say it. <laughs> right, anyway, enough of all this. Well, looks like we've had enough. It's time for the main event. So happy he's got his own T-shirt now. Uh, anyway, yeah, Jurassic Express private party. Uh, the Ass Boys, sorry, the, the Gun Club. Oh, don't lure yourself to it. The Gun Club were at ringside, uh, jaw-jacking, let's say, with Jurassic Express as they made their entrance, and that actually almost cost them the tag team tiles because as they were getting distracted, Private Party take the uh, take the opportunity to attack them, uh, get Jungle Boy in the ring, and immediately hit Gin and Juice for a nice near fall within seconds of the match starting. Uh, Jungle Boy, though, avoids the double leg drop from Private Party, brings Luchasaurus in, who gets the hot tag, Batters private party. Eventually, um, as uh, as he's getting back into the ring, one of private party takes the referee, and that allows Matt Hardy to clock Luchasaurus in the leg, and uh, private party can therefore take control. When we come back from the break, Luchasaurus is finally powering out of the numbers game that private party have put on him, including dragging both members of private party through like a like a walking through treacle sort of experience for Luchasaurus with one member of Private Party hanging off each leg. He finally gets to his corner, makes the tag. In comes Jungle Boy, who uh, hits a series of dives through the middle and bottom rope and then the middle and top rope and then over the top rope onto Private Party. Uh, But then uh, Isaiah Cassidy catches Jungle Boy with an insiguri to get a near fall. Um, There's also a spot where Luchasaurus has Jungle Boy up on his shoulders. As Cassidy comes off the top rope, though, Jungle Boy manages to counter and power slam Cassidy uh, for a two count. Then Private Party hit Luchasaurus with the silly string. They get near fall off that. Jungle Boy puts the snare trap on Cassidy. And Mark Quinn, to Jericho's disgust on commentary, has the temerity not to just break this up, but to break it up with a top rope shooting star press. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on the uh, 
argument that went on there on commentary and the justification for why he did this. Uh, Private Party, go for gin and juice, but Jungle Boy counters that. Canadian Destroyer and then uh, Jurassic Express together hit the Thoracic Express on Mark Quinn to get the pinfall. We'll talk about what happened post-match in a second, but what did you make of this tag team title match? Um, uh, It was fun, mostly. The the double-edged sword of doing so well to book your championships with like intricate storytelling, really long reigns, um, clean finishes, everything that is associated with the things you're meant to do to build the prestige of a title. Is that because those titles are prestigious, because you are you have memories of who else has held them prior, comparisons have to be made, and kind of the quickest way to tell who's really it is an act is to give them a title at this point in AEW because Jurassic Express, and I know it's very early days, but this happened with the Lucha Bros as well. Like, no one's coming close to that young box ring. No, you can, that's fair. It's, it's like a visualization of who really is a star, who warrants that title. Um, I don't necessarily think Triple H is a great wrestler or indeed a great wrestling mind. I think it's a very, very cynical one. He has, however, said something very, very um, astute once upon a time. And it, it might not be attributed to him, but he's the one I um, associate with this phrase. The man makes the title, not the other way around. At the minute, they're doing all the right things. I'm just not feeling that they're these incredibly worthy champions who've really ascended to this top spot, that they are just killing it to use things that the kids say. I'm 36. <laughs> 37 in September. It just doesn't feel like it did when the Young Bucks. And that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. They're doing all the right things. They are working to fight all comers. They are being trusted to, like, this gun club thing genuinely feels like it's not really about the gun club. It genuinely feels like a test of how much has this investment in Jurassic Express paid off? Because if it has, they should be able to do what the Young Bucks did with, like, the acclaimed mm. and feel like, oh, this is worthy of main eventing a TV show. I didn't really get that from this. It just felt like a really fun, if quite loose, and that the Jericho thing crystallizes it. There were so many moments in this match where I thought, this is a little bit indie-rific. Even for me, and I've got a lot of latitude to that kind of style, um, when Jericho pointed out, just kick someone in the head. Don't climb to the top rope when the guy could tap out at any time. Just go in there and make your save. Like the Young Bucks are so great as well. I don't want to keep mentioning them, but they're the best comparison. When they do something off the top rope to break up a cover, to make it look that more spectacular, there was always a reason for yeah. Jackson to be up there in the first place. He's busy trying to attack someone on the outside, and he thought, no, no, no actually, hang on. There's, they always think about these details, and it's a bit of a shame because I thought that the um, Silver and Reynolds match the other week was almost Young Bucks tier and how carefully thought out it was. This felt like... Not that. Mm. I think the opening spot of this match was so good and so inspired that everything else failed to follow it. We did see an absolutely demented destroyer, and I'm never going to not pop for that. <laughs> yeah. But I wish that hit. And again, this is the levels of thought that you need to apply to come close to rivaling what the Young Bucks have done with these titles. If they just hit him with a signature and not their finish, I would think, oh, well, the finish is going to work later on. Mm. Wait until they hit their finish. If they'd just done that spot with a signature, 
I'll be thinking that's great because if they can hit their finish, yeah, hit like the silly be, string or something. Yeah, but yeah. The goddamn finish, and it was just like, well, they're not going to win now, <laughs> and that just completely removed me from the action. It it was half a good idea because they instantly sold you out. They instantly tried to sell you on there's going to be a title switch in this match, and I did bite because as soon as they hit their finish, and it got to the second count of the three, I'm thinking. Where's Luchasaurus? Like, where, where is Luchasaurus to make this save? And I did bite on the near fall, but it just ruined virtually everything else of what was mm. a good, fun match, but not without plot holes, not without ascent. I just didn't really feel like this was a really prestigious title match. The Gun Club match is going to be very, very telling of where this Jurassic Express um, title reign is going to go down in terms of lineage. Is it going to reach books and make a page levels, or is it just going to kind of be... Yeah, you get some fun TV matches out of it, but it doesn't really feel legit. Like, like SCU or Lucha Bros. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair assessment. And, uh, you know, I've had my issues, and I know that the uh, the rankings reset at the start of the year or whatever, but, you know, when they turn around on Dynamite and go, well, another title match for uh, for Rampage, and it's just no offense to Silver and Reynolds or, or Private Party, but a team you know aren't taking the titles yeah. off them that have just suddenly gone... Oh yeah, we've got this amazing. We talk about this all the time. We've got this amazing record we've wrapped up, not uh, racked up, not only this year but in the last year. But it's all on dark. I haven't seen you for six months yep. or whatever it may be. I'm like, well, you're not winning the titles, are you? Like, there's 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 levels to this game, obviously. And it's like Jurassic Express versus FTR. Maybe I'll buy the title change. Jurassic Express versus the Butcher and the Blade. I know what's what's what is and what's not yeah. going to happen. But let's talk post-match, because like you say, uh, the Gun Club immediately run in uh, as, Lucha, as Lucha, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are celebrating to lay out Jurassic Express. Um, Billy Gunn directing traffic, I believe is the phrase, uh, and telling these boys to clock them all with the titles and then stand over them. What did you make of the post-match? Um, it's the Gun Club. It's like if, <laughs> It's in the case of calling them the Ass Boys, this tag team at this point is literally a meme. Because everyone and their dog is saying, gun club. Like, the gun club. <laughs> and that specific cadence, the gun club, is going to haunt all of this until they just get to the goddamn match because they've arrived out of nowhere as a potential challenger. It's odd that they, they must really rate them or something. I guess I'm trying to hold on. To, they must have thought, you know what? In the background, they've been improving at such a rate that they're going to have a, like, a really great match with Jurassic Express and the crowd don't know it yet. No one's buying it. It's just a weird meme thing that's going on. And I generally feel like it's a little test, right? Jungle Boy, we've given you two years of incredibly patient, thoughtful, attentive booking to have you earn this spot. Go out and prove it by working two scrubs and elevating them to your level. Mm. This is what champions are meant to do. Go out and prove it. And it hasn't really made for entertaining or dynamic or unpredictable or <laughs> dramatic television thus far, if I'm honest. Um, we'll see. Let it play out. Yeah. The when gun, The gun club. <laughs> 
Well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can also buy my book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, on Amazon, whichever the domain. Yeah, you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, my thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. This has been the AEW Rampage Review. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.